Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. And this week is no different, but this weekend is also very different because we have a guest from the Wild Brunch Podcast in our studios here and his name is... Hey, I'm Alex Gradette. Tell us about your podcast, Alex. Sure, it's a Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. It's a Hatbeard production on the Hatbeard Network. I think. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. You were, uh, you, that pause was for your, your token ID sound to go in, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my co-host Joe Tower and I, we uh, go see a movie, talk about it over brunch, and at the end we evaluate which was better, the movie or the brunch. And it can be found on Wild Brunch Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the catch is it's always the same movie. Weekend of Bernie's too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Every week. So you've listened. Yeah, I'm Thank familiar you. with yeah. So we've introduced our normal folks here on the podcast and our guest folk here on the podcast. And our topic is chosen by Michael, and that is the Mount Rushmore of breakfast scenes in films. Michael, why did you choose it? We've been wanting to have um, Alex and Joe on the podcast since basically since we started. Halfway there. That's right. And <laughs> and uh, we've had a kind of a long-running friendship gag of how we're in this continuing podcast war and at some point uh alex and i were headed over to like a wrestling show down in la on the trains and like amateur wrestling yeah like, like greco-roman <laughs> <laughs> it was actually just two dudes on the train oh, okay <laughs> it was the two of you go, go yeah. on and um i was just uh, kind of spitballing like oh let's combine the things that your podcast is about and what our podcast is about and I know that you are a film buff, you and and Joe. No, and that's the thing. Is the the hook is we've actually never seen a movie either of us. Um, are you breakfast buffs? Not. That's the thing. We Fuck. we also don't really. It's, it's, a, it's wild brunch. This is gonna, Listen, I'm just. Brunch I'm is just, different, bro. This is going to be a very bad podcast. The today. thing about the thing about podcasts is it's the last uh, mass media form of mass media with no gatekeepers and no gatekeepers really means no stand you guys are familiar with this uh, with this phenomenon you must be uh, yeah, we've been but yeah so we were like let's do let's do a podcast that's about um, that's about movies over brunch and I said to Joe have you ever seen a movie he said no I'm looking forward to it someday <laughs> and he said have you ever had brunch I said here's what's crazy no and for three years now, for three years now, we've kept at... No, we've seen many movies and had many brunches. <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question before we get into discussion of breakfast scenes in films. What is breakfast in film? I didn't take the food and film course that was offered at my junior college, so I'm not sure how film theory, mise-en-scene, whatever, uh, treats breakfast. Is it something important? Is it... It's it's the is it a plot most, device? It's is the it? most important meal of the day, Jeff. And okay. it's that be goes most, double for cinema. Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> the most, most important, important meal of the movie. Cinema, yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll make it. We'll make some discoveries about uh, breakfast and its uh, meaning in the language of film while we discuss the four choices that are made by each of you competitors. Uh, our visitors start. Uh, so, Alex. Please, from the uh, from the Wild Brunch pod, please begin. Sure. Uh, th- I'm actually glad I'm going first because I feel like the first one I picked is something that's bound to show up on a couple of lists. Um, first one I'm going with is uh, Reservoir Dogs, the opening scene, uh, which uh, was shot at Pat and Lorraine's in Eagle Rock, a really good diner over in Eagle Rock, where because of that, Joe and I uh, did our... Uh, our first episode, this is a couple of years ago, we did it over there because we were talking about Hateful Eight. But anyway, um, uh, in Reservoir Dogs, uh, for those not familiar, 
I, I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing a lot of white guys in the same age range, so I feel like we're familiar. But yeah. um, <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of college posters. A lot of, a lot yeah. of beards, too. Mm, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Get with the program. Come on, man. Um, Sorry, bros. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, we start off with uh, this di- this great diner scene where they're shooting the shit about um, Madonna and um, racism. Because uh, it's because Quentin Tarantino, so it's a, I guess the second one's a little unavoidable, um, and uh, it's great. They're they're very casually having breakfast. Only we come to find out very quickly they're on their way to commit a robbery that goes incredibly wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's a good breakfast scene. Yeah, it and it comes at the beginning of the film. Sometimes breakfast is used as this way to recap a crazy night in a film, mm-hmm. uh, and I think sometimes it's a way to kind of cap off. The end, the morning after the nutty thing happens, sometimes in the final act. So uh, I've seen breakfast scenes happen in the kind of break into two mm-hmm. uh, or the end of the the third act sometimes mm. before the denouement. So that's uh, Tarantino doing it right. But then we know Tarantino has a breakfast scene in Pulp Fiction too, right? The uh, entire movie is a breakfast scene. Is it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, Richard and I had joked that we could just choose all four different breakfast scenes, whether the... Uh, the opening with Honey Bunny, the mm-hmm. end at the same diner, the uh, the cheeseburgers, big and burger, big burger. Yeah. and then um, having coffee with Quentin Tarantino while they're cleaning up. The yeah. Oh, and I body. would uh, I I would have thrown in um, uh, Bruce Willis stopping to make pop tarts when he goes back for the watch. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, not it's true. not it's that not one. a great breakfast. It's not especially because they were gonna get uh, pancakes and pie yeah. until he found his watch was missing, and that's. Nutritionally, not any better than Pop Tarts. Well, listen, still, the day yeah. before he'd had a tough five round fight that he killed somebody. So, you <laughs> yeah, gotta that's re- true. Pre- we got to replace yeah. some of those carbs. <laughs> and la- later, he'll be dead with Haley Joel Osment. So, are maybe there, that's because <laughs> his diet is so bad. Are there any breakfast scenes in his other movies, in The Hateful Eight? No, because like, there's a dinner scene and then nobody makes it through the night. Yeah. So, um, Jackie Brown seems like there would have been breakfast. There's, there's lunch. Lunch is had at like an like a, a fake Yoshinoya beef bowl oh, okay. at um oh my god what's the Delamo what's mall. the mall thank Delamo you mall. thank you at the Delamo yeah um but I don't think anybody has breakfast in that I think from a character development standpoint breakfast is a great time to introduce this ensemble and unlike dinner which can be sometimes very formal it's a moment looser. where yeah loose it's a it's a looser thing where people maybe are unguarded they're just kind of wiping the stuff out of their eyes so that's a great way to introduce all these characters although i jeff i like the point you brought up that usually it's at the end of a movie where just things have been you know where it's unpacking been some rough the road before, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's unpacking uh what's going on so now like there's a part of me that wishes there was like a post credit scene in reservoir dogs where yeah. it's like well, I guess none of them are really left at the end. I was going to say, because where it's whoever's left is just like, oh, that was weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, when really it occurs to me, though, but since nobody's really left, like, is it just, is we pick up with the scene again? Yeah. Like, so it's like the shawarma from the Avengers. The Avengers, Only yeah. now they're all in white suits because yeah. <laughs> they've gone to heaven because murder's fine. Yeah. You heard it here on the Mount Rushmore podcast. All right, guys. Uh, there's a, an unfortunate tradition at the Mount Rushmore podcast where the home team, which is Richard and Michael, is beat up beat up upon by the visitor. And I'm not going to say it, but I think that tradition will not be broken this time around. So, But uh, you can try. It's tough because yeah, it's, it's, it's like when you're, when you're, you accept the opening kickoff of a game and then you're down 7 nothing. 
yeah. after the first drive, and you're just like, How did that you got to you got to start a playing a more up up tempo offense, and that's really not our game. Richard and I is more like grind it we're out. Right wait, 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 <laughs> we're until, three yards three yards in a cloud of dust. Type yeah. of podcast. We're, we're the uh, we're waiting for Alex just to get bored and walk out, and for us to win by default. Oh shit, that's an option. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta go get something from the car. Oh, that's what Dad said. Okay, so uh, Richard and Michael, please. Uh, our first choice is from the movie It Happened One Night. Oh, lovely. And, and it's when uh, the Clark Gable character of, um, oh, I wrote it down. Uh, Peter Warren is teaching uh, the Claudette Colbert character, uh, Ellie Andrews, how to properly dunk a donut in coffee. And uh, it is just right in line with his um, kind of constant mansplaining to her throughout yeah. the entire mm-hmm. film of this kind of rich heiress who is in the real world quote for the, re- for the first time. And um, it comes after a night where they've had to hunker down in like this cheap motel while she's on the run. And um, ever since he met her, he's been kind of telling her that, well, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. This is, I can't believe you're marrying this guy who's you, you don't actually love. This is how you really do it. And throughout the entire film, he's just telling her how to hitchhike, what the real world is like. And, like, she's slowly and weirdly falling in love with this guy that Mm kind of doesn't kiss her ass. Yeah. But this one scene, this one breakfast scene where she's sitting down prim and proper and dropping her pieces of donut into the into the coffee and he's just so upset <laughs> and he's like oh you can't do it you just gotta dunk and take a bite you yeah. can't let it fall apart and it's just it's just wonderful like a, just the, the movie is perfect it's but it's just the my, one of my favorite scenes from it mm-hmm. I'm surprised he went with a windmill dunk those are the <laughs> <laughs> two handed from the from the free throw line for viewers and listeners who aren't familiar with the this film or Clark Gable and the persona that he crafted in many films I Think of George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou as doing this almost impersonation of Gable in some of his films in this this very Amer- uniquely American, arrogant, yet also uh, um, bankrupt. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have anything to stand on, but he still has this, uh, acts like he's standing on third base. Uh, so I just love that that character. And that's Billy Wilder. Is that R.A.L. Yes. Diamond? Or I'm trying to think of whoever wrote... Um, uh, a lot of Billy Wilder stuff. The Fairly stuff. Brothers. The Fairly yeah. Brothers. Okay, okay. <laughs> cool. What a great choice. Uh, that's a, like digging it, digging it out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Okay, okay. Glad uh, I came up with it. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Alex Gridet, what is your choice? Yeah, for the second I, slot? It, it's it's funny. I tried doing a little bit of homework on this subject because I do believe in preparation, but then it started to feel like I just found a bunch of listicles and yeah. um, could have just sent you guys a link and not bothered showing up. Yeah, yeah. that's our job. Um, yeah. And uh, so I wanted to dig a little bit deeper, and it was strange because I didn't really have a lot of breakfast scenes off the top of the head. Uh, so I just sort of tried to go to like a little bit of a zen place and just be like, okay, seriously, just picture anytime someone's eaten a meal at the start of a day in a movie. Um, and when King Kong takes that big bite <laughs> of uh-huh. a T-Rex. Yeah, exactly. Technically daytime, you know. Uh, but yeah, so the one I landed on because it um, – it's a funny little scene. Uh, so I married an ex murderer um, from nice. from 1993, and um, in it, you've uh, Mike Myers is just uh, he's just 
spent the night with uh, his new girlfriend, Nancy Travis, and he wakes up to find she's, I think, already gone to work or something, uh, and is startled to find her sister, played by Amanda Plummer, uh, as you pointed out, Michael, no stranger to breakfast in movies because of, thanks to Pulp Fiction. Uh, uh, Nancy Travis's sister, Amanda Plummer, is uh, basically, like, pretty much... I can't remember if she's like standing in the bedroom or whatever. There's a lot of really arch touches or he just comes downstairs and there she is in the kitchen and she offers to make breakfast and comes up with this incredibly extravagant menu, um, you know, uh, uh, pancakes and eggs Benedict and bacon and Kona coffee and all that. And then it smash cuts to her just pouring like, um, like, uh, raisin bran in a bowl. And she's just like, we didn't have any of those things. (laughs) That's funny. That has that appearance of the very classic um, family drama breakfast scene where the wife is made a full spread and then the husband is like, like grabs a piece of toast as he's walking uh, out the door. And just yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. How does this woman do this every day? Yeah. As this asshole is just like grabbing a piece of toast and spilling coffee down his shirt. Mm-hmm. The wastefulness of food. And that seems That's to be true. one of those examples when it's kind of in the second act where the uh, the protagonist has kind of entered this oddball world that they didn't mm-hmm. know they're about to step into, right? And then his suspicion will begin to heighten throughout the film that she's a homicidal maniac. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. also, I would be startled if I came down and saw Amanda Plummer yeah. in my house too. That would you be know startling the, for anybody. You get used to it, like <laughs> by the third, fourth time. It's huh. just like it's just like oh hey, oh, okay. Isn't it weird that she became the go-to nut job for films <laughs> for a while? Uh, no, I mean, not not that weird. Yeah, you know that word. Okay, Richard and Michael. Michael spoke first. Will Richard speak now? Maybe. Yes. So um, we're going from, as Michael said, the wastefulness of breakfast. Wait, to- can we also determine that Richard doesn't know what breakfast really is or had the kind of Arkansas it's just, I, I just to, one long meal I tried I tried to find bacon sandwiches where people were eating bacon sandwiches <laughs> and I couldn't find anything on there sorry guys no we, we're going from the wastefulness that Michael was talking about to the opposite the gluttonous okay. this is uh, from Groundhog Day oh yeah so uh. Phil Connors eats all the breakfast yeah um, this is at the point in the movie where he has basically realized that he is stuck here living day after day and he has no consequences anything that he does and so he's just decided to basically let himself go because he yeah. knows he can't let himself go i love that breakfast is used to mark all the stages of acceptance in that film it is because he goes through denial uh negotiating bargaining all the, all these different things and at one point breakfast is Finally, he evolves to breakfast being a cup of coffee that he gives to someone else, right. uh, his coworkers, and which is just a mind blown moment for for them. So. Right? They can't. They can't. They can't yeah. figure out what what the yeah. the trick is here. But the French poetry and all the stuff that that he banter's with Andy McDowell on is really funny. And that yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. in, that's interesting. I, I you know you, when you don't think about movies all that much intellectually, like most of the movie is meant to be spent at the beginning of the day because they're trying to get out of town. And so his day keeps repeating and to the point where he's, he has that breakfast and he or the cup of coffee. And they're trying to get out of town before noon or whatever it is. Right. And then um, that's your living hell is this is his breakfast. <laughs> like the, the end point that you're supposed to the end of his day should be should be this Groundhog Day thing. And then you're gone. Right. And the, by this point, he knows that it's not ending. Yeah. So might as well get, you know, a, a whole cake. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a whole pig, <laughs> whatever the hell he was eating. And I, you know, and uh, he, he shares a scene with Andy McDowell and she's disgusted at his, at his gluttony. Mm. But I do want to point out that her character's go-to drink is sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. <laughs> so I yes. think she actually doesn't understand that the food he's eating tastes good like yeah. <laughs> she's just going on the visuals of these really unsettling visuals without realizing it's like oh no when you like dip a donut into a pie yeah. it's incredible yeah because i think sweet vermouth is good mm-hmm. i think in the breakfast Sheev comes to find him in the diner because he has he is evading the actual groundhog taping right mm-hmm. so that his is definitely his avoidance of, yeah he's just yeah. blowing the whole thing off yeah kind of like he's avoiding sort of Mm-hmm. Lots of things in his life. Yeah. I, do you do you think that he, in his infinite time on Earth, do you think he killed somebody? Do you think he murdered someone to see if he could just like end his, there end are, his life? He does commit suicide with the goat with the groundhog. Yeah, at one he point, yeah. commits suicide so, several times himself. But does he like? Does he actually take someone out with him, or just like purposefully like, oh, I can murder anybody and it uh, doesn't matter. I feel like. I feel like in the unseen repeats, there are several dead Ned Ryersons, mm, like yeah. just several where he just just yeah. just murders him in broad daylight. If if he's, they he's, or he invites him back to his hotel room to talk about insurance policies, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's so much blood. He's stuffed. So much blood. <laughs> it's just it's the scene from Scarface. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's stuffed into the sewer and his head sticking out there like the it creature. Yeah. If they if they. If they rebooted that today, like if that was a Lord and Miller movie, I guarantee you there's a montage of all the ways he kills Ned Ryerson. Mm. Yeah. I do feel like Bill Murray, because Murray and Ramis had a negative relationship, I think, after that film to yeah, almost kind of, the end of his life. It right? kind of broke it, broke their yeah. relationship. Mm. There's yeah. some parts of that middle uh, of that film where he dresses as the Clint Eastwood man with no name and he does all this stuff that's very that seems eccentric for the character but seems right in the pocket of Bill Murray's weirdness like right. like, like Murray said no we're not going to shoot that page you wrote today we're going to shoot me dressed up like <laughs> outlaw Josie Wales <laughs> robbing a bank alright Bill whatever you want we're stuck in Fargo North Dakota mm-hmm. or Okay, we are, I believe, at our halftime. Very quickly, thus uh, coming to it because um, we have such fun reservations. Yeah, (laughs) reservations, breakfast breakfast reservations. Uh, We are here with the one of the hosts of the Wild Brunch podcast, Alex Gradet, and Alex uh, has told us that the socials are uh, Wild Brunch Pod. Dot com? Well, no, uh, Sorry. Wild Brunch Pod on Instagram, or you can find us on Facebook. Yeah. So do you have much, uh, we at the Mount Rushmore podcast invite our fans to let us know what topics we would like to tackle, uh, or let us know if we missed a certain um, peculiar uh, item that, that on a topic that we did tackle. Do you have much of a dialogue with your folks? Can they suggest films? Can they challenge your opinions? Well, we've been doing the podcast for about uh, three and a half years now, and I don't know that we have folks. Oh, okay. um, yeah. I, I, no, that's not true. I've had some. I've had some really lovely outreach uh, from uh, from people who listen to the show. Uh, especially the last couple of months, we took sort of an accidental hiatus while I was dealing with a death in the family. Not to bring everything down. Oh, uh, our sympathies. But, thank you. I appreciate that. But we just got. Um, we just got. Got back up and running. Uh, you guys are going to change your week. format up a little bit we, too, right? We are changing our format. We're going through a real transitory period right now. Uh, in 2019, we are actually um, changing it to the wild lunch. <laughs> yeah, Whoa. we finally we finally graduated. No more egg dishes. Um, <laughs> cardiologist orders. Uh, no, uh, Joe and I are gonna we're gonna switch up to. Um, 
a couple of podcasts that we can we feel like uh, have take a little more control of through a scheduling from a scheduling perspective because right now it's like I'm not trying to complain about a thing that we made up for ourselves and that literally no <laughs> one asked or continues to ask yeah. us to do. But we just discovered, you know, we're both we we are we are uh, busy adults, um, and uh, you know, the, when the goal is see a new movie as soon as possible once it comes out, get our thoughts together, regroup, have a brunch, send our recordings to our producer in Brooklyn, have him have him produce the episode and get it posted all in the window when people are still talking about a movie. Uh, uh, it's it's just become really taxing, and there's a lot where we have to we have to let them slide by because it's like you know what I would love for us to sit down and talk about the predator, but the time to discuss that the week and a half to discuss that is pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. So we're moving to um, a couple of podcasts we can have a little more control over. Um, please do check out our feeds for some more details as we go. But basically. Um, one of which is going to be the Wild Brunch Oceanographic Society working title, where we're going to be going through the 2001 film Ocean's Eleven, one scene at a time. And uh, to um, <laughs> I was convinced it was a Life Aquatic or something. <laughs> maybe maybe down the line, but we're gonna we're gonna hit Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's okay. Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, maybe if we decide that the format doesn't um, doesn't make us crazy with a stretch goal toward hitting Ocean's 8 and the original Ocean's 11. It's going to take us some time, though. Yeah. These are these are dense movies, mm-hmm. um, but breezy. So I yeah. think it's going to be fun. Yeah. And we're also going to... We don't have a time frame locked down for any of this yet, but the other one we want to do, we're going to... Um, a podcast we're tentatively calling The Silver Age, where we go movie by movie through the career of mega producer Joel Silver. Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. Cool. That sounds great. There may still be brunch involved, though, so it's <laughs> not like I'm doing this one on the way out the uh-huh. door. Do people also like ask, like, oh, did you get the biscuits and gravy there? Yeah. Oh, did you get uh, you, you, the waffles? Are really, you guys really boned it. Yeah. yeah. Well, usually if it's waffles, we beat them to the punch um, on that one. But yeah, we've had people chime in with, oh, my God, I can't believe you were there. You should have tried the blah, blah, blah. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, this it's nice to hear from you, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could do, I think, an Ocean's Eleven food podcast alone. It seems like Brad Pitt is always eating. Just following, shrimp just following cocktail. Rusty. He's <laughs> <Yeah>. got, yeah. <laughs> Okay, dudes, so we are at our third round of the Mount Rushmore of breakfast scenes in cinema, and Alex Gredet is going to give his third choice. Yeah, we, uh, well, uh, talking about Ocean's Eleven, which we just were, um, about a year before that, Steven Soderbergh made a movie called Traffic, which um, I want to say won Best Picture that year. Let's go with that. Um, uh, made a movie called Traffic, where there is a... Not entirely breakfast-centric scene, but it is, uh, to me, it's memorable, where there is a, um, a federal witness uh, to the who's in uh, protective custody, a federal witness to the drug cartel, played by the late, great Miguel Ferrer, and he is, he's declaiming to the uh, DEA agents whose custody he's in, it's Don Cheadle and Luis Guzman, He's telling them how they've already lost the war on uh, lost the war on drugs. It's just it's it's unwinnable from a law enforcement perspective. And he's sitting there with, you know, with the breakfast that he that he ordered to this shitty hotel room in Arizona or wherever they are. Um, He's sitting with, you know, he's eating breakfast while he's while he's speaking from he should be he should be the one without power in the room, but he's really sort of running the room. And at the he gets the end of the monologue and, you know, talks about how his eggs taste like shit. And then there's a knock on the door and a second room service guy shows up 
And at first we're meant to think that this new room service guy showing up is an attempted hit on the guy when we realize it was actually the first one and oh. the eggs tasted like shit because he's poison. been poisoned. Oh. <laughs> That's very clever. It's memorable. Yes. It was a three Oscar winner. You are right that it did win many Oscars. Uh, best editing, best screenplay, best director, best actor. So what a great film. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, the hotel breakfast situation is always fun in mm. movies like that is a good lead up and a good like revelation yeah um i'm thinking of like in austin powers there's a ridiculous breakfast is there why am scene I... at the end where like you know they, they do a bunch of silly stuff with like mm. holding milk jugs in front oh, of right, right, birds right. and eating so, giant yeah. sausages mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. um a morning after kind of fun <laughs> and then odd job or the Austin Powers equivalent of odd job delivers a breakfast and tries to kill them. Unusual task. Random task. Random task. Random task. Unusual task. Well, I love that. That's the breakfast scene as Last Supper for Miguel Ferrer. All right, dudes, what's your third? Our third choice. being you guys. Which one? Yeah. Our third choice is we needed a brunch scene to honor. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, the brunch scene from L.A. Story. Oh. Where uh, Harris K. Telemacher is the uh, Steve Martin character, mm-hmm. and he is just vexed that he and his girlfriend are late to a brunch, or maybe late to a brunch, and it's like one o'clock, and they can't believe it, and he's just like sitting in the car waiting, and she's getting ready, and... Uh, She's like, no, it's fine. We're not late. It's fine. Even though the brunch had started an hour ago. And he's just like pulling his hair out. And he gets there. And of course, they're the first ones there. And she just shoots him like this dagger. And she's so angry at him for being early. Yeah. But to him, it's super late. And the entire scene, it just, you know, L.A. story is just a perfect. It perfectly encapsulates L.A. at times for like this nouveau rich or rich Mm -hmm. society. And when they're just going around the table, like ordering um, coffees and half, yeah. half decaf, half double mm-hmm. decaf, half calf with the twist of lemon, everyone's like, oh, I want a twist of lemon, a twist of lemon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like the, an earthquake rolls through. It's like every kind of corny L.A. joke that Steve Martin could write into mm-hmm. one, having probably spent a good 20 years at that point, like going to the, these ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. pretentious lunches. Mm-hmm. And then the movie is great because it introduces the... Um, uh, the Victoria Tennant character, and she is not pretentious at all. Mm. She is down to earth and a little vulgar, and she doesn't understand like the edifice that she has to yeah. mm-hmm. put up to be in LA. And it's just this beautiful, silly moment. And like Emily and I went to lunch or to breakfast this morning, and we're sitting there with our kid, and there's just a group of people that have gathered together to have their own breakfast and have their thing. It's just like, Oh yeah, there's <laughs> a little bit like that. We're mm-hmm. on the outside. Well, sitting yeah. In. I mean, Denny's is like, like <laughs> that, you know, you're like that. What was it that, um, I found that LA story as somebody who was living in Kansas, <laughs> seeing LA story. Well, for me felt like this transmission of culture from this place that I'd kind of seen filtered through the entertainment that it created, but not its actual culture and the denizens therein and stuff so i thought it was very charming when i see it and now uh, i don't know it's, it's too, 1991 it's, it's, all too, it's all too real yeah yeah a little too it's on the nose 30 <laughs> years later yeah we've, been, we've all been to yeah. that, like kind of I, 
that kind of awful brunch. I haven't. I, I actually haven't watched the movie since I've since I've lived in L.A. Like in the nine years yeah. that I've lived here, I feel like I would finally get because I was like you, Jeff. I wasn't in Kansas, but I was in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and I was like this feel like like I spend that whole movie. I spent that whole movie at the time feeling like I. I understand what makes this. F- I understand that this is funny, but I don't get yeah, it. Like yeah. I'm just missing this entirely. Yeah, uh, the charming idea of isn't isn't he a weatherman? Yeah, like yeah. Phil mm-hmm. Connors in uh, Groundhog. Yeah. Oh, hey, hey, there's a coincidence. There you go. In, in a place where the weather never changes, really. So he's got such <laughs> some irony. Oh yeah, one of my favorite scenes is where mm-hmm. he's talking about what did you do when the weather got down to 54 degrees? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, well, we uh, kept the cats inside. And, uh, <laughs> this is I, a funny <laughs> place where Steve Martin's stepping out of his role as a comedian in doing not quite a Woody Allen becoming a humorist or whatever, but definitely Martin was the guy who, with the arrow on his head, playing banjo and juggling cats and mm. and stepping out and kind of getting into the realm of satire and and being being doing commentary on culture. If this was Manhattan or uh, Annie Hall, it would have been New York for Woody Allen. But for mm. him, it's it's his milieu of L.A. So what were you going to say, Alex? Oh, no, just uh, when we were talking about the uh, the the thread of weathermen uh, yeah. that we've in 90s movies. Uh, it, we used to we used to do a segment on the show, which we uh, on Wild Brunch, which we stopped doing because it just felt sort of needless. But. I'm always fascinated by IMDb trivia entries by people who can't really grasp like what is yeah. inherently trivial about a movie and what, yeah. is, a, what is an external yeah. coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel like just by the discussion that was had just now drawing that coincidental connection, mm-hmm. uh, an IMDb trivium just appeared for uh, for Little Shop of Horrors, where like in the scene where Bill Murray visits dentist Steve Martin, both of them would later play both of them would later play weathermen in movies with breakfast oh, yeah. Yeah. in the nineteen nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, so I think we just made that manifest. We yeah, feel good about that. Yeah, uh, signed sincerely a computer algorithm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes analogies. Uh, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So we're moving on. We're moving on to Alex's last choice. Number four. Number four. Uh, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I, I had to sort of go into a little bit of a, 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 a little bit of a, an unconscious state to come up with good ideas and just picturing imagery, like, like I said, uh, Amanda Plummer abruptly pouring a bowl of cereal. Um, and I came back with, uh, this is the end from 2013 where uh, the apocalypse hits while James Franco and all of his friends are having, uh, speaking of speaking of L.A. story, a very typical sort of actory douchebag mm-hmm. party where it's him and Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and uh, just pretty much that whole graduating class. And after they've been uh, sinking in, you know, letting the reality of the cessation of human society around them sink in and start to hunker down for what they need to do to survive, uh, that's when... Uh, Danny McBride, who's been passed out in the bathtub, uh, wakes up, comes out of comes out of his stupor, um, and in Danny McBride fashion, uh, makes what he thinks is a lovely and generous kind of cornucopia of a breakfast, but it's really with all of their remaining stockpiled food. Oh. <laughs> so he puts out this incredible, and and there's this this great you know, slow motion montage of him like tossing flour and cracking eggs and <laughs> yeah. and the whole thing. It's like, it's really beautifully shot. Uh, and then 
when everybody else comes to because they smell bacon and pancakes he's sitting there just like eating everything with this full spread in front of him and they're yelling at him because <laughs> that was their that was their whole horde <laughs> i have not seen i didn't see it that's a fun I didn't movie it, yeah. i'm sorry yeah. for spoiling a really funny no, but scene, i love but that that seemed to you've be you've had five years so. i've had five years that seemed to be when you said graduating class it seemed to be that crew stepping out um they were not the Favreau, Stiller, you know, right, right, right. Uh, they were the, Paul they Rudd were, crew. They were the, the, they next, were the, yeah. the, the, the freaks and geeks guys, yeah. the Judd Apatow gang. Yeah. But, um, and it's interesting because they, I feel like they, they have a couple of movies that are along those lines where they take this sort of high concept, uh, run and a jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've been to sort of, uh, diminishing returns because they had, um, I think the 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 interview I think it was called the the yeah, one about Kim Jong Kim Jong Un yeah. that mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of unfairly pulled from theaters. Yeah. Um. I mean, at the time it it didn't seem unfair because we were being threatened with like nuclear Armageddon. If, yeah. if it ran on a single screen. Yeah. Uh. But you know they had things like that or like um another one that's called I, I want to say is called like the night before, which is about Seth Rogen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like running around New York City on Christmas oh. Eve. That's uh, a fun one. But again, it's like they, they, I think the graduating class thing is sort of apt for this is the end. And I think this is the end is kind of apt for yeah. this is the end. Cause that was sort of, I, I feel like that was like the last time they had, they collectively had a hit that big. Yeah. And that wasn't app. Was that Apatow? It seemed like it kind of stepped out from the Apatow. <sighs> I don't think shingle. he was, I don't think he was directly involved in it. Um, but it was, you know, it was all the people that, yeah. that came up through that. I like that it, um, the trope of waking up smelling breakfast is such mm, a wonderful yeah. one in movies or whatever. It's, it's just that, Oh, someone's making bacon. I can't uh-huh. get up and have a. I, I love how that just is totally um, wonderful at the same time ruined by this character that doesn't know. Does he? He doesn't know that the apocalypse. No, is happening. not no. at all. I. Yeah. But you get that's great. You get the sense that even if he did, he, he would have done this anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are about to get our last choice from Richard and Michael. But before we do, we we'll to let you know that this is a podcast is brought to you by One Hundred Breakfast, the new Adam Sandler film. On Netflix, it's about a guy who lives breakfast every day because it's called 100 Breakfasts. And, well, it's not every day because it's 100 days. And that's straight to Netflix, Adam Sandler. And you can go find that currently on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Richard and Michael, what's your final choice? Okay, so our final choice is the whammy burger scene from Falling Down. Oh, Uh, yeah, okay. Which technically, I guess, is a... I guess we're. I guess we're at, technically we're kind of we're kind of stretching a little bit because no two point, minutes past breakfast. At no uh, point does he actually get breakfast, even though he's got a gun and is shooting up the place to try and get breakfast. So it is lunchtime. It is ten thirty-two. But he's a man with breakfast on his mind, and he wants a whamlet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Their version was that the name of it. I never actually looked up what the name of yeah. the, uh, the breakfast sandwich or whatever. The whamlet. It's the whamlet. That's so funny. And he gets a very unctuous sort of like. Like manager telling him, "Well, I'm sorry, but you know it's ten ten thirty two, and we stop serving at ten thirty, and uh, proceeds to pull out his Uzi or semi-automatic, whatever gun he has, and accidentally shoot up the roof. And even after this, he still can't get his 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 wham. Yeah. By the way, that, that, yeah. that's one of the best <laughs> best parts. He still winds up having to get the wham burger mm-hmm. or the whammy burger. Yeah, which then looks nothing like what he sees on the mm-hmm. on the." advertisement board yeah. and gets pissed about that. What a great choice. That's completely out of the blue. I never thought I love, about that. I, I love the, when Richard suggested, I just love the frustration that we've all had at trying to order, uh, let's face it, McDonald's breakfast a few minutes past when it's 
you're right in the the zone, the breakfast zone that you do not want to burger. Like there's there's still there's still breakfast items, you know, gradually cooling on the shelf <laughs> yeah. behind them. Sorry, I love just uh, you know this this guy's the character's frustration throughout the day. Obviously, is building towards to this and building too much towards much worse. But this is such a <laughs> perfect like breaking yeah. breaking. What's point. funny is that movie twenty plus years ago seems to presage so many of the uh, uh, dog whistle kind of statements that people make about oh MRA white male yeah. anger mm-hmm. I mean yeah. that's one of it the would things. be interesting to see it again it's one of the things it about does this. not hold up no it does not <laughs> well it holds up if you take it from the standpoint that you realize that he's the bad guy the yes oh time. yeah yeah but, but Which I don't is, think I don't think the movie realizes that. that's the problem mm-hmm. yeah is that you know I think this is one of the key scenes in the movie because it's I think intended to try and get you to go yeah, I know what you're feeling. I get it, man. The man's trying to keep you from getting breakfast, and this is so stupid. When really it's like, calm down, guy. Uh-huh. We don't need to pull a gun out because you can't get you a can't shitty, get shitty breakfast, shitty, yeah. shitty breakfast omelet. I, some, yeah, I, some of the points of view of the character seem like he would be a perp of the week on uh, a cop procedural kind of thing, you know? Like right. his, his sentiment was that deep enough to make a movie out of it? And maybe at the time, I don't know. This... Well, I think any sentiment can be can be deep enough if you're if you're coming at it from way the wrong angle. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was 1993, I think it came out, and it's still a movie that's trying to tell you, man, you know. Things really are hard out here for the uh, well-paid professional white man. Yeah, it is tough <laughs> when he can't get his whamlet. And, yeah, uh, uh, not to and not to uh, not to branch us into uh, a, another topic, but if memory serves, I think that scene also um, features a Mount Rushmore of bad fake vomit uh, yes, incidents. Yes, it does. Like just a really poorly done one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like SNL quality, is there a hose? Yeah, like like <laughs> yeah, just holding up your hand to your mouth at the last second. I mean, it's I I think it's I I don't know if it's the mechanism so much as the 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 performance that doesn't really sell mm. it right. I I feel like it's got to be a YouTube clip of it, but um, yeah, it's something. This the squibs of vomit. <laughs> yeah. The most memorable thing seeing that in the theater was that there was a guy in the theater who each time. Michael Douglas upgraded from a stick to a larger stick. To or a bazooka. From a stick. Yeah. He, he would, this guy would just say, you the man now. <laughs> like, he was the man last was, time you said. Wait, wait. Was was it Sean Connery <laughs> running yeah. lines for no Finding Forrest? Well, no, 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 no. He was very early in finding <laughs> yeah, the character. Yeah. Like, you know. There needs to be like a like a Star Wars Black Series character of his that just comes with all the weapons, interchangeable like levels of anger on the face. Sure. That just eventually just get shot. Man. I'm actually kind of surprised there was just given the time that it wasn't like a, a McFarlane Studios toy of it, which is just like <laughs> this super detailed Michael Douglas with like this perfectly serrated plastic flat top haircut and like really rich creases in the white button down. The briefcase that opens that has like the sandwich mm. inside. <laughs> yeah. That's a McFarlane specialty. <laughs> Nicely done, gentlemen. You've each uh, given us your four choices for the Mount Rushmore breakfast scenes in films. Uh, Richard and Michael chose It Happened One Night, uh, the scene where there was a dunking of a donut instruction, uh, Phil Connors' breakfast gluttony from the film Groundhog Day, uh, L.A. Story, uh, the late-for-brunch scene, falling down the Whamlet scene. But somehow, 
Despite all your amazing choices, our guest, Alex Gradet, did a clean sweep. He cleaned his plate. He cleaned his plate. He gets the Frequent Eaters Club punch on his card. Yes. Uh, and Denny's will be uh, thanked in this. And Denny's. <laughs> also, sponsor, in, right? also in the 100 Days of Breakfast. Yes. The Adam Sandler film coming. No, it's now playing on Netflix. So. Um, uh, Alex's choices were the breakfast scene kicking off Reservoir Dogs and heralding a new indie darling. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. And so I married an axe murderer, Amanda Plummer, psycho scene, the film Traffic, and this is the end. So Alex Gradet uh, has come and just trounced. He has made a hash. He ate our brunch. He ate your hey. brunch. <laughs> Yeah, before when I said that I'd never seen a movie or eaten brunch before, I lied. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a brunch shark, yo. It's a brunch ringer over here. (laughs) Well, I've totally eaten breakfast slightly later in the morning. Those those eggs you've been eaten weren't the real room service eggs. <laughs> Ding dong, here's the real room service. Yeah, this is where uh, the real Alex yeah. Redette comes in the room. <laughs> what? The- <laughs> okay, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. Our special guest, Alex Gradette, is the co-host of the Wild Brunch podcast and soon to be veering off into new podcast territories. But thanks again. Tell us again where we can find you. Yeah, you can find us. Uh, you can find us uh, on. Hang on. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Wild Brunch Pod or Facebook, The Wild Brunch with Alex and Joe. If you want to follow us individually on Twitter, we don't have a Twitter presence for the podcast, but individually, uh, Joe can be found at at Hatrick Slazy, H-A-T-R-I-C-K-S-L-A-Y-Z-E. And yours truly can be found at at Menace 2 Snacks, Menace, the number two snacks. <laughs> so thanks so much for listening. This has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. And that's our guest. Hey, Alex Gradette. Bye-bye, everybody. I'm hungry. You hungry? Mm. Let's get some food. Let's get some food. All right.